Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with your host, as always, Dan Mater. And today, we're going to be going over the potential fantasy value for the running back rookie draft class coming in for you guys. Cannot wait. And I could not think of anybody better to bring in for this than the man who is the NFL senior writer at Gridiron Experts, came in 15th in the Fantasy Pros ECR Rankings competition. You can find him on Twitter at the Real NFL Guru, Mr. Anthony Servino. Anthony, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for calling in. Very happy to have you because we got a lot to get through in today's show. And just in case you guys are wondering, Anthony is calling in from the MD Nation hotline, which you can always call to leave your comment rants, question, whatever you need, and you can get yourself on the show. It's 609-362-2480. That's available to you 24-7. And Anthony, today, uh, one of the things we want to go over before we get into the rookies and such is that we want to talk about 
So a couple of guys in free agency who haven't been able to sign yet, and this is sort of your forte with the offseason moves, so that's why I definitely want to get your opinion on this. Why is it that you think James Winston and Cam Newton have not been able to find a landing spot as of yet? Well, with James Winston, um, it was Tampa Bay or bust in terms of a starting job. Uh, this is a guy who has thrown 30 interceptions. He turned, you know, fumbled the ball another five or six times last year. You know, fumbles, lost. And that is a lot of turnovers. And I know he was the first overall pick years ago, but it's just not really working for Jameis Winston right now. Uh, and as far as a backup role, and you can rope Cam Newton into this, these players might be too high profile to bring in as a backup. More so with Cam, I think Jameis would, um, he would be better in that situation, kind of like a Marcus Mariota, but Cam Newton, it's just too much star power and too much distraction. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying there. It is a kind of a crazy situation because they are better, I believe, than at least half of the starting quarterbacks that we're going to be seeing going into 2020 as of now, if the season was to start today. Uh, but to your point, it's a question of is that where a team wants to go for the future? Is that a a you know a place they want to go for what they have brought to the table so far? And being that you know we're dealing with coronavirus and everything else like that, in Cam Newton's case especially, it's hard to know exactly how healthy he is. But that's exactly where I was going to go here. He can't get a physical, and until he can get a physical, and a team knows if he's going to be healthy and how healthy he is. I think he's going to be lingering on the open market um, for a while. And Cam, is, especially Cam, is the player. I, I think he'll wait for the right situation. Um, I think the Chargers will kick the tires on him. But if they decide to go with a Tyrod Taylor, Cam could just sit and wait until the preseason's over and we see that first swing of quarterback injuries and even into the regular season, what was it, last week, last year, week one, Nick Foles goes down. And sure, they had a Gardner Minshew, but Cam Newton is not Colin Kaepernick. He's not being blackballed. The team's going to pick up the phone and call Cam as soon as they suffer a major injury at quarterback. I'll give you a question as a follow-up to that one. Over, under, Cam Newton and, and Jameis Winston signed by August 1st. Over, under... Yeah, were they, were they, do you think they're going to both sign after or before that date? I think that, I think it's going to be before. Okay. I think the draft is going to answer a lot of questions, uh, but I, I, I see both of these players, especially if they can get their physicals more so with Cam, I think they'll be signed uh, by training camp or, or, or right around, you know, training camp starts mid-July. They'll be signed in that mid-July to August time period. I think I pretty much agree with that. It's just going to be very interesting to see who winds up taking the chance on them. I feel like maybe at this point, teams are kind of waiting to see exactly what they wind up with in the draft, and maybe that will kind of dictate what they kind of want to do as far as taking a shot on a Jameis Winston or a Cam Newton. I'm, I'm a person who's in the personal belief of... 
I don't really buy into the negativity that goes with Jameis Winston and the 30 interceptions. I think it was part of Bruce Arian's system of telling him to let it rip. I think it was part of having a defense that put him in a situation he felt like he needed to score points on every single drive. Yes, turnovers have been a problem throughout his career, but this is a guy who, to me, at times just looks brilliant out there, and I would really love to see him on a team that actually had a decent offensive line and gave him adequate protection consistently amount and see what he would be able to do in that situation because to me a lot of times is that he does get frazzled quite a bit by pressure but he's also been under pressure a lot in his career um see with, with the whole defense narrative their front seven last year was a top 10 unit the secondary was very shaky but how much of their defensive issue was a result of Cam Newton's turnovers? That's fair. That's, that's the way I spin it. Because with Tom Brady there, the front seven is still intact. And retain, they retained, um, you know, Sue and Barrett. This secondary is only going to be, you know, they're pretty young. They're going to get better. I can see this defense making a, a fairly significant jump and fairly significant for a team with that type of offense and Tom Brady. Look at the Chiefs. Two years ago, they were a bottom five defensive unit. Last year, I think they finished middle of the pack, maybe a little bit worse, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's how I see Tampa's defense and Tampa's ceiling. Well, they're, they're definitely not going to be in as bad a situations uh, as previously, too. Um, I think last year for the Tampa Bay defense, it was kind of a tale of, of, of two seasons wrapped in the one. In the beginning of the season, they were giving up a lot of points. At the end of the season, it became more about uh, Jameis Winston's turnovers, putting them in bad situations. They actually played a lot better as the season went on as a unit under Todd Bowles. They're starting to get in the system. They're starting to get more pressure. Uh, well, to your point, like the second, secondary was shaky, but it had more to do with the Jameis turnovers in the, at the end of the season. And beginning of the season, it felt a little bit more like the defense was still trying to learn the system and, and get all enthralled in uh, Todd Bowles there. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I like to see, especially for fantasy purposes, I want to see where James winds up, Cam as well, because these are two guys who can still pre- uh, probably be top 12 quarterbacks depending on the situations they can wind up in. Maybe not for 2020, because they're prob- to your point, they're probably going to have to take backup positions uh, as of as of now, and maybe work their way in because of an injury or because of bad play. Uh, but I think these are two guys who still have it and still can bring it, and I'll be keeping my eyes on them through the offseason uh, for sure. You know, I, I think the landing spot for Jameis Winston could be Jacksonville. I feel like if... See, I thought about that one too, and I feel like if that was going to happen, I feel like it would have already happened by now. Unless they're waiting to see if they wind up with a Justin Herbert type in the draft, and maybe he falls to them, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting to see that first, and then maybe they'll go back if he's that, not there. Yeah, um, that, that's how I see it. They they've accumulated in the next two years roughly eighteen or nineteen draft picks, and they moved off of a lot of talent. They have a lot of holes to fill, and for a team like that, if a quarterback doesn't fall to them with so many holes to fill, don't trade your assets to move up because you don't know what you have at Gardner Minshew yet, and maybe you can bring in a Jameis Winston and see if you can get more out of him than Tampa Bay did. Give him a little bit more stability, maybe put him in the QB2 role and see how bad he wants it. Because they're going to be a bad football team this year. 
So they might be in a position to pick in the top five again next year or wherever they're picking. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It makes sense. Quarterback. Right, right. I mean, look, I totally agree with you. It totally makes sense to make that move. Uh, I'll follow you up with this one. Does that mean you don't think they are of the mindset of tanking for Trevor Lawrence next year? See, it's hard in football tanking. Uh, more so than any other sport because these players are playing for contracts. These coaches are coaching for jobs. Uh, Miami, last year, they moved off of a lot of talent and ended up winning more games than I, I think anybody thought they would win. And they were pretty competitive towards the end of the season, which is why I love Brian Flores. I think he could be one of the more successful Belichick uh, disciples who went on to be a head coach, um, and everybody thought Miami was tanking. And, and I think what Miami was doing was trying to see, okay, who's going to buy into Flores and what he does? And if you're not going to buy in, we're going to move off and get what we can for you. And we're seeing the same thing in Jacksonville with Jalen Ramsey. They were going to have to pay him. Uh, A.J. Boye, they basically tore down that defense, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Jacksonville traded Leonard Fournette at this point because he's going to be due a contract, and I don't know if he's, it fits into their future plans. Because by time this team, who's going to be very young, by time they're competitive, Fournette's going to be, what, another three years older, and he takes a beating out there. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with, with, with all that and that line of thinking. Uh, moving on, though, we want to get to our top two and worst two uh, free agency moves from a fantasy perspective for you guys out there at MD Nation and see what kind of moves did you really love? We'll start with the best two. What kind of moves did you really love from a fantasy perspective that got you all excited for the 2020 season? Uh, obviously, the one I like the most, uh, you know, I'm a Tom Brady guy. And I love his landing spot with Tampa Bay. I actually had him pegged for about a year going to the Chargers, which almost happened. I, 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 you saw the writing on the wall that he was leaving New England, and now he's going to a situation with these receivers. This is the best receiver tandem since Martin Welker. They have a couple of good tight ends who have upside. Uh, it's a Bruce Arians offense where we've seen an aging Carson Palmer resurrect his career I think Tom Brady's upside, his ceiling, if you think back to Peyton Manning's first year in Denver, that's what we can see from Tom Brady this year. So from fantasy football landing spot out of free agency, he's my number one. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I actually had him listed by number one. I had a feeling you might say that, so I did have a backup for for mine just in case. But let's go ahead and hear your uh, second best move. My Second best move. Um, I just uh, did this on my show. I'm going to try to keep it fresh here. I'm going to give it under the radar. Okay. Uh, and that's Hayden Hurst. Okay. Hayden Hurst going over to Atlanta, where he's no longer, and I, you know, he was injured his first year, and he was a higher draft pick than Mark Andrews, but Mark Andrews obviously was the one who really broke out. Hayden Hurst, if you look at the metrics, he's a little bit faster than Austin Hooper. And if you take a look at that offense, this isn't Lamar Jackson. This isn't the Ravens. This isn't run first. You're going to throw the ball all over the place. And Hayden Hurst is pretty athletic. You have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. Hayden Hurst 
you know, when he was a, a, a passing option in Baltimore last year, he was usually number one or two. Now he's going to be the three or four with the Atlanta Falcons. I think Hayden Hurst, for as cheap as you can get him in fantasy with his ADP, he has back-end, tight-end one upside, and I don't think people are putting this together yet. I love that. I love that one. Uh quite a bit because he was one of the guys that I, I talked about quite a bit when they, when they made that move. I said, hey, guys, Hayden Hurst is really not all that different from what Austin Hooper could bring to the table, and he fits that offense really well. He can block a little bit. He's a guy who can get open in the red zone. He can move the chains. He's athletic enough. He has good hands. This is a guy who was a first-round tight end when the Baltimore Ravens drafted him the same year they drafted Mark Andrews, who just wanted being a little bit of a better athlete, wanted fitting the offense that they needed now. But Hayden Hurst is very, very similar similar, in my opinion, to an Austin Hooper, and I think he fits that offense great, and I totally agree with you. You're talking about a guy who, especially from a touchdown perspective, which is all you need for tight ends, uh, should have back-end tight end one potential. I love that one. Absolutely great. And, Go you ahead. Know, and the, the vacated uh, tight end targets, when you look at what Hayden Hurst could be getting, um, going back to 2017, Austin Hooper had 65, 2018, 88, and then last year, 97 and 13 games. So you have a potential for at least 65 targets, which is going to be by far a career high for Hayden Hurst. Right, exactly, exactly. I, yeah, love the statistic there. I'll give my best two real quick. And of, my top one was Tom Brady, like yours. To your point of Peyton Manning, when he goes to Denver, he gets those weapons. I'm looking at Tom Brady. Is the, the most weapons he's had since 2007. And the one thing about Brady, the reason he is the best quarterback in the NFL, or is the best quarterback in NFL history, I should say, is because he is the smartest guy out there. There's not a defense he can't read. And if you're going to give Tom Brady one-on-one looks all throughout the field because of the weapons that they have, not just with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but also with O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. There's there's nothing stopping him. And you're playing in a division where the Saints defense has gotten better, but still the defenses are suspect in that division to some degree. Uh, yeah, I love Tom Brady this year. I, I've already... I've done some preliminary projections. I haven't finished all mine yet, but in my preliminary projections, I have Tom Brady finishing as the number three quarterback in fantasy football right now. So yeah, I'm big on Tom Brady and what that move was. My second best move staying in that division was Todd Gurley. And I'm big on Todd Gurley because I am not anywhere near on the pendulum swing of the negativity surrounding his knee injury. The way that I kind of look at it is A, one, Players have dealt with arthritis throughout the years. This is not something new. Players are able to handle this and get through it. Number two, last year, he played 15 out of 16 games, and the one week that he did miss was because of a quad injury. It was not because of the knee issue. I blame the offensive line. I blame Sean McVay. I blame the underachieving Rams team as a whole for why he had a dip in production as far as yardage goes. But even for all that said, there's still a guy who had 14 touchdowns. You go into the Atlanta Falcons, he's not going to see seven, eight, or excuse me, he's not going to see eight, nine guys in the box. He's going to have better looks. And if that offensive line of Atlanta 
is able to stay healthy. Remember, they had the two rookies. They both got hurt last year. They drafted a pretty high on them. Alex Mack is somebody who does get injured, but when he plays, he's one of the best centers in the league. If they are able to get more healthy, the fact that Todd Gurley is coming in on a one-year contract, so Atlanta has nothing to lose by running him into the ground. The fact that he took the one-year contract because he has a chip on his shoulder because he wants to prove that he can still handle the workload and be a top back. I really love Todd Gurley. He's somebody who's going to be going in the late second round. I do believe he has top five potential in this situation wow. that he's wound up in. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic on Todd Gurley. I was one of the ones um, who was worried about Gurley last year. I'm a little bit more worried than the arthritis than you are because I believe it was arthritis that played a role into you know putting Terrell Davis into an early retirement, if I'm not mistaken, because I did a lot of research on this. Yes. And, you know, the offensive line was bad uh, for the Rams. It wasn't much better in Atlanta. We don't know. You said there were rookies who got hurt. We don't know if they're going to translate. I'm very worried about Todd Gurley. In fact, this whole offseason with these big-name running backs, when you look at Gurley, uh, David Johnson moving, it's not good. I mean, outside of Melvin Gordon, I don't know if I'm going to roster a lot of Todd Gurley whatsoever. And the same thing with David Johnson. There's a lot of question marks I have about health because, if you, you know, let's go over to David Johnson. Uh, I'm worried about his back because, like arthritis, back injuries, they flare up, they linger. David Johnson has not played well since that one year with Bruce Arians. So both of these guys, I'm just pumping the brakes on a little bit. And if Gurley is still going in the second round, you can have him. Okay. <laughs> we got to get a lead together so I can get that. Now, um, look, I'm totally with you on David Johnson, uh, 100%. He, he just didn't look for He looked not just a step slower. He looked five steps slower than me uh, last year. And a back injury... I feel like it's something that's very hard to get right. And even if you're able to get it right, it's very hard to maintain it and, and be able to stay healthy and have it not bother you and really be able to affect your play. And you're, you're talking about a player, you know, his signature move is that jump cut. You need a good back to make that kind of jump cut that he would be able to make. So I am very concerned about David Johnson as, as well uh, um, with you. I, so we're on the same page when it comes to that one. Uh, give me your uh, worst two fantasy moves, uh, well, free agency moves for fantasy this season so far. Well, I'm going to give you one that affects a lot, and that's Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina. I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater guy. That is no secret if you listen to my show. Um, it, to me, if it wasn't for his injury, nobody would care about Teddy Bridgewater. He's just a feel-good story like James Conner, and look how that worked out. Teddy Bridgewater's career high as a starter with touchdown passes is, I think, 14. If you look at what he did with the Saints last year, I think he appeared in 10 games and was relevant in six or seven. He had two games where he did not throw a touchdown pass, one game where he threw four. There's not going to be a lot of touchdown production out of Teddy Bridgewater and if you look at how it's going to affect, people thought D.J. Moore was in store for a breakout. Um, you have D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson now, who just signed, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, who catches passes and touchdowns out of the backfield, Ian Thomas. I just don't know if there's going to be enough to go around. I don't disagree with that uh, That idea. Um, 
I'm not I'm not anti Teddy Bridgewater. I'm also I'm not you know I'm not his fan base either. I'm not pumping I'm pumping the pom poms for him or anything like that. Uh, I do kind of I am kind of curious with Joe Brady having some familiarity with that system and going into the season as a starter. Do you think he possibly gets more? Because where I think I think where you have your issues with him and probably the same thing I do as well is that he's just not aggressive enough slinging it outside of ten fifteen yards. Do you think that changes as he's going into a season as the main starter under Joe Brady? I think what, what, what's going to hurt Teddy Bridgewater the most is a bad defense. If you look when Teddy had success in Minnesota, he had his success last year with New Orleans, they had very good defenses around him. Um, he didn't play from behind a lot. And now if you're going to ask Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, he's not that guy. Or at least he has not shown anybody that he could be that passer. And that's what's concerning about Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that because there are a lot of fantasy players on that team, and and one of my worst two is going to be uh, relevant to what you're just saying. But give me your second worst one uh, first. Um, I don't know if this, you know, it, it happened during free agency, but like the worst one is Deshaun Watson losing DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is significant because. We don't know what Deshaun Watson is without DeAndre Hopkins. We know he can play well when Will Fuller's hurt, which is a lot. But what is he going to be now without one of uh, maybe a top three receiver in the NFL who doesn't miss games and is very consistent? What could save Deshaun Watson is the fact that if there is anybody, any quarterback in the NFL that has the same intangibles as Russell Wilson, it's Deshaun Watson. And we know that you know, with one receiver, like he had a year or two ago, the year uh, Baldwin went down, or when he really regressed before he retired, it was basically Tyler Lockett or Buck. And Russell Wilson still puts up consistent fantasy numbers. You just don't know if he's going to be a top five or, or a six to ten guy. And that's where I am with Deshaun Watson. He is no longer, to me, in the top three uh, fantasy quarterback conversation. I don't think he's going to severely plummet out of the QB1 tier, but he's going to be a, 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 a mid-drafted quarterback, or at least he should be, until we see what he can do with his new receiver trio, I guess you call it, with uh, an aging Randall Cobb, who was overpaid, Will Fuller, who you can't depend on to stay on the field, and Kenny Smith. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you with you, Deshaun Watson. For me, he's going to be more in that six to ten range. Maybe for me, more so seven to ten. I don't even know if he can quite quite crack the uh, the top six because there's multiple things working against him. That was actually my number one worst move was the DeAndre Hopkins trade from the Houston Texans perspective. Obviously, it was great on the other side for the Arizona Cardinals, but for the Houston Texans side, it was probably the worst move that could have happened for Deshaun Watson. You're you're dealing with Bill O'Brien, whose whole offense since Deshaun Watson has come to be has pretty much been, hey, receivers, run deep. Watson, if no one gets open, take off and run. And that's essentially been the offense. And the one thing he's been able to bail out, Deshaun Watson, quite a bit is the fact that you have DeAndre Hopkins, who, no matter what the situation is, can get open. So what happens now when you have Will Fuller, to your point, can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field, Kenny Stills, who also has injury concerns, but also at this point in his career is more of a one-trick pony, more of a deep field threat guy, not not a guy who's going you're going to depend on the move to change in, in crucial situations. 
Uh, they've pretty much moved on from Kiki Kute from being a, a, pr- a primary type of target in this offense. Randall Cobb, who hasn't been good in five years, really, let's, let's be honest, at this point, and to your point, also overpaid him. So the offense going to come down to me, in my mind, at least Bill O'Brien's building up to be this way, is Deshaun Watson, and you're hoping you have something out of David Johnson, which we already talked about that we both don't believe really he really has anything left. But if you're the Houston Texans, you're Deshaun Watson, that's what you pretty much have to be hoping for, that you're pretty much molding into a play-action, read-option type offense with Deshaun Watson and David Johnson. We don't know what that's going to be. As far as fantasy purposes go for, for Watson, to your point, he runs around enough. He's going he's gonna to be able to find a way to get into the top 10. That much you can pretty much guarantee. But the ADP on him is going to need to reflect that as we get closer. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to be taking Watson way too high because you need to, to your point, you need to be able to see exactly what happens before you can have uh, the utmost, utmost confidence that Deshaun Watson can just be your QB1 every single week. Even with DeAndre Hopkins, he wasn't one of the more consistent quarterback ones out there to begin with. You take him away, I hate to see exactly what would happen there. Um, my second worst one after after the trade there was Robbie Anderson to kind of go back to your Teddy Bridgewater point. I really, 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 really wanted Robbie Anderson to go somewhere where he could be the primary target, but also, you know, with the great, great caveat of getting the hell away from Adam Gase. So that's really what I wanted to see have happen. To see him go to Carolina on a cheap contract at that, I'm not really sure why he's being so undervalued by the NFL right now, but on a cheap contract, go to Carolina where... To your point, there's already guys like Curtis Samuel and Ian Thomas, and of course, number one being DJ Moore. And yes, it's a Joe Brady system who's going to primarily use three wide receivers, but because you signed Teddy Bridgewater, the question is, how aggressive are you guys going to be really? And if you do try to be aggressive, can Teddy Bridgewater really spread the ball around like that? And even if Bridgewater's playing his best game, he was never known as a guy who could throw the ball deep or as part of his game. And Robbie Anderson really needs that to be the X factor that he can be so I was very disappointed for especially from a fantasy standpoint to see Robbie Anderson go to the Carolina Panthers I was really hoping he could find himself in a better situation I thought he was going to end up in Green Bay that would have been great would have been the perfect situation because I don't think Robbie Anderson's a one um but I think he's going to be extremely productive uh, on the other side of a beyond the under a Devontae Adams or even you know, another landing spot that I love was Emmanuel Sanders going to the Saints. Right. And that was another spot I liked for Robbie Anderson in that supporting role. No, I don't disagree with that. I don't I don't think he's a superstar one that can kind of lock down the core for you, but he's definitely a productive player uh, in the right situation. As a 49ers fan, I honestly wanted him to come to San Francisco because I thought having him and then being able to utilize Debo all over the field the way that they do and have somebody who can actually take the top off would have been really nice to see as well, but uh, not going to happen. I, I can uh, see your 49ers making a play at Odell Beckham. Oh, really? Okay, we weren't going to talk about it on the show, but I definitely want to talk about this now. <laughs> so you, so with the extra, you're saying with the extra first round draft pick that they picked up from the uh, from the Buckner trade, you might see them swapping that for Odell Beckham from the Browns. Well, I I, I think Beckham is going to be moved, and who knows? They might retain him, uh, but I, you know, if if he's going to be moved, there's two landing spots, and one of them's Philadelphia because that's a Howie Roseman thing to do. And the other one is San Francisco. And my co-host is a big 49er fan on the FNF face-off, and he thinks that they're going to draft a receiver there. 
But, you know, playing devil's advocate, this is a team that wants to move Dante Pettis. Right. And in either situation, Philly, clearly, they picked up his option, but it's no secret that they wouldn't mind moving off of Alshon Jeffrey. So you can package a pick in Jeffrey or that 13 and Pettis and move it to Cleveland for Beckham. I mean, I would love it. I would be, I would be beyond happy. <laughs> Excuse me, from as a 49ers fan. And from a fantasy perspective, because Beckham would fit perfectly in that Shanahan type system, that that key West Coast where you can use him in slants, use him all over the field. I think it would be a win win in that situation. Um, I kind of feel like I can only dream about that though. But I, I like that that's where your head's at on on it gives me some hope that maybe that could be a possibility. Because uh, yeah, I, I'm probably more in line with your co-host. My thought process is more of them taking a wide receiver with that 13th pick and then probably at 31 turning around and trading back to kind of accumulate some what, picks. What, 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 you know, if you look at the receivers they've drafted, Depot I like, but Pettis was a huge miss in the second round. And if you look at the past maybe 10 years of first-round wide receivers who actually worked out, you can probably count them on one hand, whether it's, you know, A.J. Green, Julio, Beckham, I guess Sammy Watkins to an extent, you know, maybe he's not as productive as he should be, but he was okay, but, you know, maybe Amari Cooper. But if you look at all the misses, Kevin, you know, Kevin White, Aguilar, Philip Dorsett, I mean, there's probably double-digit misses and single-digit hits. I don't disagree with that. The one thing I would say for this... John Ross. Yeah, well, John Ross, uh, that was that was crazy to me. You knew going into Corey it, he had a long way to go. Um, Corey, I mean, 49ers, that window is open now. Go get a veteran that you know can play. I mean, I don't, disagree, I don't disagree with you. The one caveat I will say is that I do think a guy like Jerry Judy fits what Shanahan likes to do very, very well if he was still to be there at 13. Now, there's no... There's no really way of knowing that that would really be the case. He is somebody everybody saw after. It wouldn't shock me if he wound up going in the top 10. Um, I don't think C.D. Lamb's that far behind. There's a lot of receivers to be excited about in this draft class. But, I, I'm yeah, if you could pull off the deal for Odell Beckham, with the window being now, with the NFC West being as competitive as, as it is, then, yeah, absolutely, that would be the move that I would prefer to make. But... We're going on. we got to get to the rookie running backs, which is what the show is supposed to be about. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors, MyBookie. With MyBookie, you can bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination, the presidential election, even the name of the next pope, things you can bet on while we have no sports. And you can join now and start winning big today. Visit MyBookie.ag and use promo code BELLYUP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BELLYUP. Now... For the rookie running backs, the first guys that I have on my list are pretty much the guys that you're going to be hearing about the most heading into the draft classes. These are the guys that I like to cover. These are not necessarily my top 12. These are the guys that you're going to hear the most about. These are the guys that are a consensus will go higher than the rest of their class. So I want to make sure that the MD Nation out there knows who these guys are and knows what kind of value they're bringing to the table, especially if you're going to dynasty drafts. But also we're going to talk about whether or not some of these guys may have redraft value depending on the situations that they're able to wind up in. So the first guy that we probably should talk about is DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think before the combine, he was probably the consensus number one. Now there's a little bit more of a debate between him and Jonathan Taylor. But uh, Anthony, real quick, just tell me what what's your keys on on DeAndre Swift? What you're looking at with him? 
what's my what? What's your what's your key on DeAndre Swift? Do you think he's, a, he's is he a first rounder? Is he a guy who you think is going to be able to come in and be a workhorse? What what's what's your take on him? I think the issue with the whole running back position, and we are seeing that because of Devonta Freeman, Tom Gurley, um, uh, Freeman Gurley, David Johnson, you know, there were even rumors about moving Swanet and possibly Carolina moving off of Christian McCaffrey before you have to pay these guys. This position is undervalued. Um, and I don't know if there's a running back in this draft class that has Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott type of upside where we're going to see them go in the first round. This could be a running back less uh, first round, whether it's right or wrong, just because of all of the, you know, all of the quarterback needs, all the cornerback needs, left tackles, all these significant positions that are viewed more important than running back. I think that's what we're going to see going in the first round. And maybe DeAndre Swift goes late in the first, but I just don't see a high first for him. Do you think he's somebody, if he winds up in the right situation, could make uh, an impact early? And what do, you, what do you, I mean, if you want to give it your, your dynasty perspective on him, what do you think his value could be later on? Do you think he has that skill set to be a featured guy at some point in his career? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Oh, absolutely. You know, if he lands with a team like the Miami Dolphins, let's say, and, uh, you know, I'm a big Jordan Howard fan, but Jordan Howard is not a three-down back. He can't catch really well, which has always been his knock. If you put a DeAndre Swift in that backfield with that one-two punch, I think he could be extremely successful in this league. I agree. DeAndre Swift uh, is probably one of my guys – the top three guys, really, for me, are, are guys that I think no matter what situation they wind up in, I do believe that they have the talent to overcome. Uh, DeAndre Swift, in particular, this is a guy who, to me, my player comp to him was actually a a faster version, or I should say quicker version, of Devonta Freeman. It's just the way he gets north and south, the way he likes to take the one cut, his vision, the way he gets compact going through the line of scrimmage, and... I don't think Devontae Freeman was ever really utilized the way he should have been in the passing game, the way he could have been. But DeAndre Swift coming into it, everybody knows you got to get this guy involved on third downs. I like the Dolphins pick. They have three first-rounders, assuming they don't have to move up for two at Tagalavoa. We'll see what happens there. But in, if they don't, maybe that last first-round pick, I believe it's 26, if I'm not mistaken, uh, taking a guy like DeAndre Swift to pair up with Jordan Howard and eventually be a featured guy would be a pretty sweet move. And if that were to happen, um, I like DeAndre Swift not just from a dynasty perspective, but 
I would wouldn't mind him from a redraft perspective as well. If you're hanging out in PPR leagues, you know automatically this is a guy who's going to come in and take the passing down work if he's able to wind up in that situation. And because Jordan Howard has a little bit of an injury history and then does have just seems to have a history of teams bailing on him halfway through the year. It wouldn't surprise me if Swift wound up taking over like all together if it had that opportunity if he's able to play well. And, and, and with any of these rookie backs or any rookies in general, I'm a landing spot guy. I, I don't care about talent and metrics. I, I need to know where these players are going to land. If they're in the right situation, we could have like another Josh Jacobs. But if you're, you know, it's you know, like a like a Justin Hill, who I was extremely high on. He, you know, he wasn't a top end pick. But now he's stuck behind a Mark Ingram, and that's a lot of talent in Justice Hill. If you land in a spot where you're not going to see the field, then your dynasty value short-term is shot. No, I, I, I to- totally, totally agree. Uh, moving on to the second guy here, Jonathan Taylor, obviously the big winner of the Combine. A lot of people are talking about him. I do think of all the running backs, he probably has the most upside due to speed, size, combination. I liked a lot of things that I saw in Wisconsin. Where are some of the things that uh, you take away from watching Jonathan Taylor? Well, you said all the right things. He was a combine star. Uh, but the issue I have with Jonathan Taylor, and this could have hurt him being a day one back, is the fact that he fumbled once every 52.9 touches. His ball security is a huge concern for me, especially at the next level, because a lot of teams aren't going to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that at all. That that it was a big issue. Uh, I do kind of wonder, could it, I mean, anything's possible. Anybody can develop. Could it be a Tiki Barber situation where he, he learns eventually to hold on to the football? Uh, that, that would be the key mark. If he's able to get the fumbles under control, though, this is a guy to me that with the speed-size combo would be him having better hands than I think he gets he gets credited for. Uh, I do think we're talking about the, the one running back of this draft class who could become a superstar. There's a lot of running backs I like uh, for different situations. This is the only one I think has the potential to be a superstar. He reads the line of scrimmage to me kind of like Le'Veon Bell. He kind of likes to be patient, kind of likes to dance a little bit, but he has more explosiveness than I think Le'Veon ever did and plays with that physicality at the end of that. Uh, what do, I mean, what, just out of curiosity, what do you think of that? I like the way, I like his running style. He's not exactly, um, you know, he, he's elusive, but he's not like a DeAndre Swift. He's, uh, you know... Uh, in between the tackles, runner. I think he's a contact runner. He's not going to shy away from it, uh, which is probably why he has some ball security issues. Uh, and, but if you put him with the right team, now a, a team that comes to mind uh, if he slips into the second round would be like the Eagles. Because to me, I don't know if Miles Sanders is a true three down back, and I kind of like what they did with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders last year. And Jonathan Taylor would be a nice combo in a place like Philadelphia. Or, uh, I don't know if Philly's going to go running back early in back-to-back years. Uh, what about Buffalo? Because Buffalo is a team, I don't view Devin Singletary as a, as a three-down back. Not even close. And with the offense that they're building, Jonathan Taylor combined with a Devin Singletary would be outstanding. I, I completely agree. I don't view... I think Devin Singletary can do a little bit of everything. 
but I'm I'm in the mindset of you. I don't think this is a guy that you would want to give the ball to 25 times a game in every situation all the time. Uh, so I do agree with you on that. So many people love Devin Singletary. They think he's a future. I've heard a lot of people talk about how when Buffalo was looking at different running backs like Melvin Gordon, a lot of people were giving him crap for it because they felt like, why, why would you do that to Devin Singletary? I'm with you. I don't think we're talking about a guy who's going to hold up if you're going to give him 300-plus touches. They, they were giving Frank Gore double-digit right. touches per game. Right. About, that was about his average. No, I, I, I totally agree. Why are you giving a 30-something-year-old who's clearly Done. nothing more than a locker room presence that many touches if Devin Singletary is your true three-down back? No, I, I, com- I completely agree. I like his talent. I like what he can, he can do a little bit of everything, but I agree with you. He needs to be in a committee. Um, and I do think Buffalo is going to go for running back in this draft. I truly, being that they didn't get a Melvin Gordon or a type like that, I do think they are going to pair him up with somebody. Jonathan Taylor, especially in that system, would be would be awesome. Uh, the place where I just had it in my mind where I wanted him to go, frankly, was was Houston before the David Johnson move, and maybe even with the David Johnson move, I would still like to see that happen because that to me would be. That would be a place where he could go where I believe Bill O'Brien is going to get fired at the end of this season. So as far as the scheme fit goes, I'm not really too concerned about that because I think they're going to have a new coach next year anyway. But that's somebody who I think Deshaun Watson could actually turn around, hand the ball off to 20 times a game after you actually have a guy who could be a playmaker, and then you can kind of build your offense from that duo as well moving forward with whoever the head coach is going to be next season because I do not believe it's going to be Bill O'Brien. Uh, so I would love to see him there, and also kind of I also want to see Deshaun Watson be able to succeed, especially after losing DeAndre Hopkins. Let's give him let's give him a chance to get some of the pressure off of him that he faces constantly, uh, because they keep lining up in these four wide situations. Let's let's give him the opportunity to be able to run the ball effectively. Next guy that we want to talk about here, J.K. Dobbins, one of the more interesting guys to me, um, like a Miles Sanders, like a Devin Singletary, he has the ability to do a little bit of everything. I think he's actually a little bit more elusive than those guys are in between the tackles. I like the way he bounces off of tacklers coming in. You can't bring him down with just an arm tackle. He's a little bit more powerful than people realize. He has good bounce in his game. He has, he's a good pass catcher. Not quite on DeAndre Swift's level, but I like that he can do a little bit of everything. What's your take on J.K. Dobbins? Um, I, I think not participating at the combine because of the uh, the injury that he suffered in the college playoff to the high ankle sprain that could hurt his value a little bit because of guys like Jonathan Taylor who really showed up, uh, showed out and um, I think I think Cam Akers also had a pretty good combine uh, especially with the forty so we can possibly see J.K. Dobbins slip a little bit now I think he's still a top forty talent. Uh, but I, I am concerned about him slipping because initially in my first mock draft, I had him going to the Kansas City Chiefs at pick 32 because I think they're in the running back market. With Sean McCoy, his career is pretty much over. If anything, he goes to uh, in a reserve role with Anthony Lynn or, or maybe back to Philly. But McCoy's out of there. I don't think Damian Williams is a true um, – is the guy. You know, Damian Williams plays great in December and January, but you can't trust him those other months. I don't know what they have in Darwin Thompson. I think Kansas City is looking for that Kareem Hunt that they lost a couple years ago. So I had Dobbins there, 
and another team who's in the running back business because everybody outside of their starters are free agents in New York Jets. I know they have Le'Veon Bell, but Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, both free agents. Elijah McGuire is long gone. And I think that's another team that uh, could be a landing spot for Dobbins. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see anybody go to the Jets as long as Adam Gase the head coach because it's just, you know, fantasy purgatory, essentially. But, yes, that would definitely be a place that would be in the running. Um, I love the Kansas City move. I think he would fit Andy Reid's system very, very well with what they like to do with their running backs. I 100% agree with you. Anybody who listens to this show, listened to it last year, I was the guy beating on the table every single podcast episode saying, do not overdraft Amy Williams. Don't take him in the second and third round. It's not a guy who can hold up for the longevity of a season as the main workhorse back. He's purely a PPR back. He's purely a pass catcher. That's all he is. Uh, he would fit. J.K. Dobbins would fit great there. And if he did go to Kansas City, I think you'd be talking about a rookie who would have redraft value in that scenario as possibly an RB2 if that was was his landing spot uh, for for sure because he can do everything Andy Reid's going to ask him to do. And with, with Reid, we know that he has a history. If he gets a running back that he feels like can be all three downs and feels like you can do everything he asks him to do, he will ride the hot hand for a significant amount of time and make him a workhorse. He won't always go by committee if he feels like he has that one guy. Uh, Jakey Dobbins could be that in that situation, especially with the way they run that offense. So I do like that fit for him. Definitely would become a, a redraft, not just a dynasty running back in, in that scenario. The next thing I want to talk about to you is Cam Akers. And I... I love and I hate Cam Akers at the same time. It's very, very bittersweet. I love what he can bring to the table. My player comp for him was actually Latavius Murray because he is he's an athlete who can be very, very explosive, who can be has potential, as much potential as really anybody out there as far as a pure talent perspective, but a guy who really is going to need to take a year, maybe two, to actually learn how to be a true NFL running back, at least that's my take on him. What's yours for Cam Akers? You know, Akers, like I said earlier, he ran a little bit faster than initially anticipated at the combine, which raises his stock. Another guy slated to go somewhere in the second round, but I don't think he's going to be an every-down contributor. I think Cam Akers could fit with the team almost like in a Duke Johnson-type role, in that third-down pass-catching specialist-type role. For Cam Akers? Yeah. Really? I don't see that. I don't see him as a pat. I see him more as a first, second down back. This is a guy who has has a long way to go as a pass blocker. See, I've seen people. I, I've seen Duke Johnson come. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not seeing that on tape. <laughs> I see more of a guy who, who is a, a, a home run threat but is a home run threat from between the tackles because he's such a poor pass blocker. He has a long way to go in his technique. It's, it's really, it's atrocious to watch on tape. This is a guy, he has no clue. I don't know what they were doing in Florida state. I don't know. If they just ignored it because they needed him to be a playmaker and they just didn't, they didn't harp on it, whatever the case may be. But this is a guy I don't think is going to be playing on third downs anytime soon because of how, how, how badly he is in that area and we see it with coaches in the NFL all the time if you're a rookie running back and you can't pass block you won't get on the field that's that's my concern about Cam Akers that's like Ronald Jones 
Right, exactly. And I, the, Ronald Jones is probably a decent comparison uh, to to Cam Akers in my mind. It's not that he can't catch the ball. I'm not saying that where he. No, see, he's an accomplished receiver. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, that's I definitely want to make sure it's not it's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say he can't catch the ball. He can catch the ball. He can be a receiving type of back. I don't think he's going to play in those situations for at least a couple of years until he becomes a better pass blocker. That that's just from what I've seen on tape so far. Uh, yeah, and it was actually, Nick, now that I'm seeing it, Lance Derwin from NFL.com who made the Duke Johnson cut. Okay. Okay. I mean, look, like I said, for, as far as a pass catcher, a athlete, I, I I can see it there. I just I don't see it from a fundamental you know pass blocker standpoint. Guys going to be able to be on third downs a lot. Um, that's getting outside the top four. That that's the top four. Those are the guys you're going to hear about the most. Those are the guys people are going to want to talk about in their dynasty drafts, or or those are the guys that have the most ability, most possibility to po- to be redraft value type of guys. The next guys we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast are more specialists more much more situation dependent um and starting that off with kind of with 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 zach moss here um i don't know about you i watched as much tape on zach moss as i possibly could because this was this was supposed to be the sleeper guy this was be the guy who was not in the top set of top four who could still be a stud running back and when i watched the tape i was just not impressed overall. I think he's this is a guy who can do a little bit of everything, but I think this is a guy who's a backup. I don't see him being a starter. Uh, maybe he could find himself a situation, but I, I compared him more to a, an Alfred Morris who could actually catch the ball. Uh, is kind of because the way he runs reminds me a lot of Alfred Morris. The way he uses physicality and and stuff like that, and his his speed. Also reminds me of Alfred Morris in that sense, but he's a, he's definitely a better receiver than him. But an overall backup in my mind, what would your take be on Zach Moss? You know, he was disappointing at the combine. He had the hamstring injury, but even his his bench press, spark, agility, speed scores were were, were fairly below average. Um, he was a workhorse at Utah. A couple of consecutive 1,000-plus-yard, double-digit touchdown seasons, uh, and I think that could potentially save him, but I think it hit the nail on the head. I don't see him being an immediate contributor. Uh, he could be almost uh, maybe like an Alexander Madison type of complimentary back. Okay. But I, I don't see him. Even Madison, I think, is a little more explosive. Yeah. But I, I don't see him going to a team uh, early. I think he's possibly a third-round pick, like early third round, if anything, a late second, if the team's really high on him. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree. I, I see a guy that if it was up to me, if I was a GM of an NFL team, I wouldn't be bothered taking him to the third, fourth round, frankly. Um, then, the, you know, that's the guy who's going to be a backup. This next guy, he has me getting a little hype. Uh, to me, he's somebody that could make a mark in fantasy for Dynasty, maybe even redraft, because this is a guy who will probably find his way in a third down passing down role, which is Eno Benjamin. Now, I'm not overly impressed myself with Eno Benjamin, but I do see a guy who can be that safety blanket. I, I kind of comped him to Chris Thompson. I could see him being that kind of third down passing guy on a team uh, who has maybe, maybe a little bit more physicality than a Chris Thompson type does, maybe a James White type. Uh, he had a decent combine, not a great combine, but a decent combine for what people were expecting out of him. What, what do you see when, when we look at Edo and Benjamin? You know, same thing here. He's a little undersized. He posted the, the fewest bench press reps of um, any running back at the combine. So to see him in any type of early down role in the NFL, that's not going to happen. He's going to have to land with a team who's going to uh, accelerate his skill set. Yeah, agreed. You know, if you look at some of these teams, uh, you know, you want to throw Jacksonville out there if they decide to hold on Fournette. He wouldn't be a bad pass-catching back, even though Fournette's a very, very underused and underrated pass-catcher himself. But he's more of that one-two punch, only the number two in that scenario. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And that to me, that would be that would be best-case scenario. I mean, Edo Benjamin, to me, is a guy that could very easily, you know, not even be a thought in a year or two as, as well. It could, go, it could go that way for me as well. Before we... He's a project. Like, what about Tennessee behind uh, or complimenting a Derrick Henry, almost in that Deion Lewis role? Yeah, except for they didn't, they hardly use Deion Lewis. So, I mean, yes, in theory, uh, but it doesn't doesn't seem to be part of the game plan at, at all. Even though that was what they wanted it to be, especially once they got once they moved on from Marcus Mariota, that they they hardly ever even used Deion. So, um, in that kind of a scenario, I mean, I, I could definitely see it. That would be. Ideally, if it, you know, not Tennessee, but um, if you put him in a situation, I'm uh, just trying to think, just trying to think off the top of my head here with, you know, uh, I think he's better than Justice Hill as a pass catcher. Honestly, uh, I don't think he's as good of a playmaker, but I think he's he's a better pass catcher. I think he's more of that fundamental guy. I think maybe the Ravens could be a fit for him. Uh, but it would have to be that scenario where he would just have to be the compliment back, the pass catching back, no matter what uh, what they wanted up being. Before we move on to the last running backs that we're going to be talking about for today's show, I want to make sure we get a quick shout out to our sponsor, Fanatics. They are the number one sports memorably apparel store in the world. Get access to all available discounts by clicking on the link from the MD's Fantasy Football Show from our posts on social media. Go to at Show on Twitter or at Show on Facebook, and you can click the links today. Now, this next guy is one of my sleepers. I am big on him. Clyde Edward Hilaire, what's your take on him real quick? Wait, I'm sorry, you broke up there. 
uh, on on Clyde Edwards. What, what's your take on Clyde Edwards? I think he's one of those that you were making. Um, I was making the Duke Johnson. You were making the Chris Thompson comp. I, I think he's a similar type of player. I think he caught somewhere in the 50s, uh, about 50-something balls last year at LSU. Uh, 5.7207, little bit of speed. Uh, you know, just like we were talking about with the last back, uh, he's that pass-catching specialist in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I see out of him. He is somebody, unlike you know Benjamin, I think when he gets drafted, he will for sure be that PPR type of running back. Uh, I'm looking down my list here. Yeah, I can. I actually compared him to Austin Eckler. I the way he catches the ball out of the backfield, maybe even more of a James White from an athletic standpoint. But he's going to be that type of guy where I think he's going to be heavily utilized as a pass catching down back at the very least. And because he's a little bit more powerful, I think he has a little bit more pop. He's a guy, that's kind of why I'm more comparing to Austin Eckler. I think he's a guy you could, you could give the ball 15 times to get decent production out of if you absolutely needed to. It's not going to be an ideal situation, but if you wound up in that situation where you needed to, I think he could produce because he has really good hips. He's able to make guys miss in the open field. He's able to get compact when going through the line of scrimmage. So he has a little bit more pop, a little bit more ability than a true typical specialist passing catching down back would have in my opinion but that's where he's going to be able to make his mark this is somebody especially you're talking about PPR leagues I think could have redraft value along with dynasty value in my opinion you know would he be a fit with a team like uh like Tampa Bay because they're certainly in the running back business uh in this coming draft unless they go get a guy like Lamar Miller who's a little more dependable and reliable as a pass uh as a passing down blocker, because we know we talked about Ronald Jones struggling mightily at that, uh, Tom Brady needs his James White, and that's not on the roster right now, unless you're talking about uh, Dare Ogunawale. I think I'm butchering his name. I don't think he's it. Maybe um, he would be a fit here, Clyde uh, Hilaire. No, I think that would be, that was exactly what I was going to say, because if, if Tampa Bay. Like like you're saying, they're definitely in the running back territory where they're, they're going to be looking to go that route. I don't know if it's going to be the first round or not. If it's not, and that would indicate to me that they're going to plan on Ronald Jones at least being the starter, I think taking a guy like Clyde Edwards would be the perfect complement piece and would be a perfect piece for Tom Brady to kind of give him a player in that role that he can kind of depend on. He would be that guy. So I do think Tampa Bay would be an excellent, excellent fit, not just for him, but for that Tampa Bay offense. That would boost Tom Brady's value, who we were both very high on uh, even more uh, heading into this season because he would have that safety blanket to be able to go to. This next guy, a lot of people aren't big on him. I kind of get a little bit uh, mixed feelings of how I feel on him. That's A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. I like his size. I like that he's fast for his size. I do not like his vision. I do think this is a guy that at best is a year or two away from having to develop how to be a true uh, NFL type running back before he, you can really count on him to be able to take that role. Uh, he just He's a guy who takes a little longer than he should getting to the line of scrimmage, I feel. But what's your take on A.J. Dillon? Well, this is a monster, right? Just over six foot, two hundred and fifty pounds. He reminds me of like, uh, you know, Derrick Henry, Stephen Jackson type of size. Uh, pretty athletic, really productive in Boston. College. 
Over 1,400 yards uh, in three seasons. I'm trying to think of a landing spot for for an A.J. Dillon because he is probably going to be a project. And I think the team that comes to mind, and people don't like that I kill Carrion Johnson. I'm not a big Carrion Johnson guy. Uh, and if they want to kick the tires for another year and see if they can ever get anything out of them, I think Dillon would be a nice fit in Detroit as that in that Garrett Blunt type of early down role. Yeah, I mean, I I on the other side do like Carry On Johnson. I do question whether or not he's ever going to stay healthy enough throughout a sixteen game or soon to be a seventeen game season. Uh, and I think that could always be an issue. But as long as he's on the field, I do like what he brings to the table. However. That doesn't really mean anything because when you look at Detroit, even with the years they've had Carry on Johnson before they had Carry on Johnson, ever since they brought in Matt Patricia, they're a team that looks to have multiple running backs. They do the Patriot thing, so AJ Dillon going there would make uh, a lot of sense. It's hard to find a landing spot for AJ Dillon because it's hard to find a situation in which people are actually looking for his type of running back anymore. Uh, so that that's kind of more of the issue. More so than finding areas where, hey, you there could be a spot open for you here. Uh, I, but at the same time, you have a lot of teams who don't really utilize that power type of scheme anymore unless you're just bringing a guy in to be a specialist red zone type running back. So it, it's hard to even find a landing spot for an A.J. Dillon because of the way the NFL is right now. I agree with you on that. Uh, one of my sleeper guys that I do like quite a bit is Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Chase Edmonds, who I do think at some point, if he gets an opportunity, we're going to like to see what he he's able to produce. Keyshawn, yeah, we share a brain on Edmonds. What's that? Like I said, we share a brain on Edmonds. I, I, you know, I like Kenyon Drake a lot, but I, I think that it's going to be more of a two back system than people are are thinking right now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. This is a guy who has a lot of talent, and Kenyon Drake's not a guy who has ever had a history of uh, being the lead workhorse back for an entire season. So I do think we're going to see a, a lot more of a share than people realize. It's, it's, Kenyon Drake's been one of the, I love Kenyon Drake. I've always been a Kenyon Drake apologist, but now it's going the other way where I'm like, hey, woo, don't be drafting Kenyon Drake in the second round, guys. This is not a guy who has the history of holding up for an entire season, so calm down with that. But yeah, that, but that goes to my point of Keyshawn Vaughn. He, he just shows me he's a guy who he's not overly big, but he runs – physical he knows how to find the hole he knows how to pick up that extra yard I love running backs who are able to take contact and are able to twist their bodies keep balance are always able to move forward even if they're not the big Tarek Henry the big AJ Dillon type of running back if you will this is a guy who can do a little bit of everything Uh, what's some of the things that you have seen on Keyshawn Vaughn so far uh, he didn't have a lot of help around him in Vanderbilt so he was kind of like the show there um, they say he's a one-cut player, uh, issues with the stop-start quickness, and doesn't have a lot of moves, but he's extremely hard to tackle, which, again, I, you know, he doesn't have the A.J. Dillon size, but he reminds me of that type of running back uh, where you want to use him in that early down goal line situation. Yeah, that's I. I went back. I look like I wanted to go with a more relevant one, but if I was going to go with a guy who's not active anymore, the guy he reminds me a lot of as well is Ahmad Bradshaw. Uh, just the way he kind of always is going to look to give the hit rather than take the hit. 
um, and who can be on first and second downs, kind of that type of guy. I don't, I don't hate that comp. Next guy. He, you know, Vaughn's probably a player. He's going to go to the mid to late rounds that could potentially be a big-time sleeper, especially in fantasy. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And I think there's there's going to be, in this draft class, when I, when I look at these running backs who are going to be going later on, I see a possibility of one to two guys who are going to be in that third to sixth round territory who I think are going to make a splash and be fantasy names if it's not this year in the next upcoming couple of years because there are some guys who have a certain skill set where they're going to be able to fit really well in today's NFL and catch some people off guard. Not this next guy, though. The next guy we we'll to be talking about here is, is Anthony McFarlane. Not an Anthony McFarlane guy. I think he's nothing more than a special teams guy. Uh, I think a lot of people try to keep wanting to put him in this category that he can be this, this third down, passing down guy on a consistent basis. I don't see it. I see a, a guy who can hit a home run if he has the open ability to do so, but I am not impressed with his ability to break tackles. My comp for him right now is Corey Grant, who was the third string on, on Jacksonville uh, a, a year or two ago. Uh, what, what's your take here on Anthony McFarlane? Yeah, outside of speed, which could help him making a roster as a returner, there's, you know, size, there's pass protection issues, there's some durability issues. He's not going to be a really productive player in fantasy football. You know, he's somebody who want to take a shot, at, you know, late in your rookie draft on a dynasty team. That's fine. But I, I just don't see a lot uh, ahead for an Anthony McFarland right now. Yeah, I'm. I I totally totally agree. This it's. I mean, it's hit or miss. It's not everybody, but I do see some fantasy experts out there trying to put it out that they they really feel like Andy McFarland could be this you know this dynamic pass catcher. And I just I don't see a guy who's consistently going to be on the field if it's not you know dealing with special teams. I think he'll be on a roster, but that that's about it. Um, Salvin Ahmed. Now he's he's pretty similar in his skill set to Keyshawn Vaughn to me. Has a lot of the same kind of characteristics, same kind of traits. Uh, a little bit skinnier, but a little bit taller. He just didn't have a great combine though. He only ran a four six. Uh, I didn't. I thought he was going to run a little bit faster than that when I was watching him on tape. To could wind up hurting him. Could wind up making him a backup for most of his career. What's your take on Salvon Ahmed? This is a little bit deeper than I usually go. <laughs> Honestly, I'm more of the free agent uh, contract offseason guy. And when we, once we get to this, you know, tier of players that aren't going to make that big of a splash at the next level, I, I really would tune in. I'll just be honest. I don't want to put a bad take out. <laughs> well, look, yeah. I wouldn't either. When you're talking about when you get starting into the dynasty leagues, and that's what we're going to be. We're kind of we're you know as a fantasy show, we're kind of trying to hit this from that aspect uh, with this being with this rookie draft class here. And you're looking for guys that if you don't want to, if you don't have one of those early draft picks, and you're not taking a Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins, you want to see what kind of value you can get later on. You're looking for guys. Salad Ahmed is that type of guy that you're looking for because he's somebody, if he hits in the right situation where there's an injury in front of him, is a guy who could maybe possibly be able to produce on first and second down. He's the guy who, if they wind up, if you wind up, let's say, in a Washington situation or a Detroit situation when Carrion Johnson got hurt, where they're just cycling through running backs, they're just trying to find somebody to be able to take the ball. Uh, it, 
is somebody who in that situation does he have the skill set to really provide you for a spurt? Uh, when you're getting these tier running backs, that's kind of what you're talking about here. And Salvin Ahmed is the last guy that we're, we're going to kind of cap it off with anyway. Um, he could be that type of guy, but really at the end of the day, I don't see him as a sleeper. Like the way I see Keyshawn Vaughn possibly being a sleeper uh, in his career with his skill set that he kind of brings to the table. Ahmed just runs a little bit too high, isn't as quick as he really needs to be to kind of have that diamond in the rough uh, in the making. Anthony, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a great show. Uh, we got a lot of information out there to the people. I, I think everybody appreciates it. Love having you on, man. I hope to have you on again, and we'll definitely be talking soon with uh, with the NFL season all coming around the corner. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be in contact with you uh, very, very soon. That's going to close down the show, you guys. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, you can always check us out on Sportscaster at MDFF, Belly Up USN on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and subscribe. Facebook Live at MDFF Show. And, of course, you can always catch us on your favorite podcast app, now available to you guys on iHeartRadio. As of last week, we're very happy to finally get that going after a run around with those guys. So we're available to you guys everywhere. Make sure you go ahead and check us out. And we will see you again Next week, we'll be talking about the potential fantasy value for the wide receiver. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 